On this episode of Inside Boxing Live, Errol Spence and Terrence Crawford have broken their silence. They are tweeting each other nonstop. We'll talk about that. A fight that we're not getting. We'll also talk about a fight that we are getting this weekend. Dimitri Bivol versus Zerda Ramirez, a 50-50 matchup in the lightweight, a light heavyweight division. We have our top five performances of the year. We have headlines. We have Ronnie's Rocky Review. We have a lot to talk about today. Let's get into it. Inside Boxing, the world of production of John Boy Media, Dan Canobio, joined as always by former 140-pound world champion Chris Algieri, former ISKA kickboxing legend, uh, former unforgettable actor, played a dead man, and he is alive because boxing is alive, I think. Chris, how are you? I'm I'm doing well. Uh, doing a little better than boxing is right now, but we're, we're we're still kicking. Listen, man, these are ebbs and flows. To be a boxing fan is you you have to live with the down times to cherish the good times. This was still is a good year for the sport. Obviously, it's been marred by Spence and Crawford, and we're gonna get into that. Um, both guys have spoken. Uh, Crawford did an Instagram live, which was bizarre. I watched the whole thing. I did a whole video on it. I transcribed it, Chris. It was nuts. Did you catch any of that? I did. I did. And uh, you know, I, I I like that he's he's going out of the box to make it make it you know make it known what's going on. Um, you know, people are going to be on either side either side of the fence no matter what. But you know, at least he's he's being real and raw and, and just talking to his people. So I like it. Yeah, he did. He that's one thing that was the knock on Crawford over the years was like this guy never, you know, speaks. He doesn't do a lot of interviews. You never really know what he's mm -hmm. thinking. Never know what he's saying. Obviously, now he's promoting a fight that isn't, you know, doesn't have ESPN behind it. So you know, he has to come out and and say and and do these things. But uh, to, to get you up to speed on what Crawford said, and a lot of fans have known it by now, but haven't heard our official thoughts on it and Chris's thoughts on it. Crawford came out and, and spoke, and I want to get your thoughts on this from a, a you know a fighter that has been in the negotiating table, has seen these contracts, has been a part of big fights. You know, Manny Pacquiao, uh, Errol Spence, Amir Khan. Uh, so Crawford says that the first communication that they had was not a contract. It was a proposal. Uh, it was a proposal for a contract, and it came in May. you got to keep in mind Spence fought in April of this year when he beat Uga. So in May, Crawford gets a proposal, and, and in the proposal it says doesn't say anything about a guarantee. It just pretty much has back-end money. Crawford was like, wait a second, I don't get a guarantee. I've gotten a guarantee my whole career. It's standard procedure in boxing. You get $3 million, $5 million. Some cases balloon up to $20 million with Deontay Wilder got in his last fight with Hellenius. So no um, guarantee in the contract. Uh, he says an offer didn't come until August. He heard nothing from May until August. 35% um, of the pay-per-view is what Crawford said. Uh, Crawford was willing to take that but wanted more transparency. That's something you talked about last time. Uh, is that you? Just, you don't get that, <laughs> especially when it's not your promoter. It's it's Al Heyman dealing with it. Crawford said, "You know what? I, I maybe will be willing to take zero guarantee if I could just see the books. You know, see how this fight does. See all the money that's in there." Didn't hear anything from Heyman. This is all according to Crawford. Didn't hear anything from Heyman. Then at that point, this is when it gets real juicy, Chris. Crawford calls up Spence himself and says, "I have a hedge fund." that is willing to put up $50 million for this fight. 
25 apiece. We're living in an era where they steal pay-per-views. We're living in an era where people aren't ordering uh, pay-per-views. They're, the market is getting smaller and smaller. Why not take that risk out? Let's just, yeah, it's, it sucks maybe to put a cap on on what we could make, but do you think we'd really make $25 million if it was on regular pay-per-view and, and we were getting that percentage? Spence says, I gotta, I like the idea, but I got to go back to my guy, Al Heyman, which all we know, these fighters are very loyal to, to Al, and rightfully so. They make them a, a lot of money. Radio silence. They don't hear anything. Uh, they pretty much say, this is the offer, take it or leave it. Then Crawford moves on to the fight with Avizian. That is what Crawford said. So with all that being said, Chris, what did you make of, of all those things? I like the playing chicken with promoter's idea that Crawford's doing to try and get himself as much money as possible because he deserves it. Um, I think the fighters deserve the lion's share anyway. So going after I, I had a very similar situation with my, my fight with Pacquiao, which I negotiated myself with my with my attorney. Um, you know, we you, you, you got to be willing to risk it all in order to get the most out of out of these situations because just like any 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 employer employee relationship they'll pay you as little, as little as you'll take so fighters who don't speak up and just take what they're given you know they're they're missing out and there's a lot more money in the pot than than anyone really knows about so you know he's going for it i mean it, it, it's risky he's he's an older fighter now at this at this stage and um he never he never had that big big major payday so He's he's going for it. He's going for the you know for all of it. But in the same token, he's got to fight. I guess a pretty tough guy um, in Avicenna. No, we gotta get that right. I think it's Avi, not Avicenna. It's Avicadian. I fucked it up too. Avicadian. No, no, I don't know. David. Let's call him David. David. Right. <laughs> who's who's no disrespect to him. He's, right. He's, he's very a good. Very good fighter. Super tough guy. Um, and Crawford's making ten mil, so he's fighting a lesser name for a, still a lot of money and probably, you know, that's one of the big, going to be one of the bigger paydays of his career. Um, you know, so I, I like what he's doing. He's going for it, but he's still getting paid. He's still fighting. It's not like he's just sitting out waiting for the big one. Um, but to the point of Spence having to have to go back and talk to, to Al, he's contractually obligated to do that. It's not like he can just be like, all right, yeah, let's do it. Let's, you know, forget that guy. We're, no, he has to, there's no, there's, he can't just take the fight and then, and not, go to Al and, and tell him what's going on. Yeah, but here's the thing, though. The hedge fund, you're saying he's going for it, and, you know, it's wise to, to, to try to make as much money as possible. Hedge fund, though, like, do you really tr- – I, I don't know if I trust that. Like, when, when Crawford pulled out that line on the, on the IG Live, I was like, really? I mean, yeah, maybe it's out there, but how many times have we heard – and you probably know this, too, as a fighter, like, oh, there's hedge fund money out there. There's this, that, and the other. Like Pacquiao was – and Ryan Garcia, there was supposed to be some hedge fund money. It just didn't seem like a real plan from Crawford. It seemed like he was grasping at straws a little bit because if there is $50 million out there, yeah, that's awesome. And Crawford says, oh, these hedge fund guys know Al Heyman. They know you, Al. And they, apparently they never backed up on it. Heyman said, you know what? I want – no, no one else is touching this fight. This is a PBC fight or, or it's no fight at all. I'm going to go back to the guarantee, though. Have you ever heard of a, of a, a pay-per-view fight or a fight of this stature where neither fighter is getting a guarantee? No, no, and especially not this level type guys. Um, but back to my back to my point. I'm not saying that going for the 50 million because I don't know if the 50 million is a real thing. I right. just like the fact that he's using that as a token to try and get this deal done. Is my point. Not that okay. not that he should go that way, you know. But I, I like the fact that he's going head to head with with the promoters to try and get paid or to push the fight and push the action. Um, yeah, I don't. You know, in terms of the hedge fund, is it real? Is it not? Who knows. For all intents and purposes, I would imagine Crawford thinks it's real, um, but it, it very well may not be, like you said, definitely not a safe bet. But 
Yeah, I mean, I know I've never heard of of, of a zero percent guarantee. That's that's ballsy on on Crawford's account for for being okay with that. But um, yeah, no, I've never heard of that. Yeah, I don't know what it really says for the PBC. Like I've heard different things out there. Um, you know, maybe they they took that hit on the Wilder fight, and and that's not something they want to do again. And um, yeah, I, I've never heard of that. Like, I I you know I don't know if Spence pretty much admitted to it last night when he was they went back and forth like kind of 35 t- tweets back and forth at each other last night between spence and crawford that, that's the uh, CompuBox tweets so we, we we counted them too 35 but in one of them spence is like i didn't have a guarantee either you know I, I didn't have a guarantee so that's that's when caught people off guard it's like wait a second neither of you guys have a guarantee uh for the one of the biggest fights so like you're just going to take back end money so I, I don't know if spence was like listen i if he's not getting a guarantee i won't get one either this is all stuff that, unfortunately, it's boiled down to fans. There are some fans that are interested in the how the sausage is made. There's a lot of fans that don't give a damn about these details, that we're just not getting the fight. But, you know, Crawford finally spoke up, and, you know, I have been saying both sides are to blame. And if, now that we've seen both sides sides of it, I mean, I don't know how you can not say that both sides are to blame. Like, PBC kind of given, like, a, a sh- I wouldn't say shady, but a different type of deal. Uh, to Crawford. Crawford says, no, what? No, I have this uh, hedge fund, and I don't blame Heyman for saying, no, I don't want to go that route. And then even Spence himself said, I can't blame you, Crawford, for going out and getting $10 million to fight uh, Avizian. Like, it all, like, listen, it's all sides. It sucks. We're not getting the fight, but you can see now everything involved with it. But I will say this. If you take a look at the track records of the two guys, Terrence Crawford, particularly his track record, very hard to work with at top rank. Never got a big fight with Top Rank. Never got Pacquiao. Never got any of these big names. Like, he is tough to work with. He's made some questionable business decisions. Then you take a look over at Errol Spence's side and Heyman's side. They make big fights. Hey, uh, Spence has been at Cowboy Stadium, 40,000. He has three belts. I mean, if you just take a look, I, I honestly do believe that the PBC side and Spence's side did everything they possibly could uh, to make the fight and have a way better track record than Crawford has. Yeah, I mean, and I think there's more of a push for them to make it as well because Spence's time at 147 is dwindling, and he he might not ever fight at 47 after this fight either way. Um, so you know they're trying to get that biggest money fight, and that would be the biggest money fight until he goes up to 54, and there's some huge fights up there as well. You know, you got the Charlo brothers, and um, you know, and Fundora, Fundora. You know, not really well known yet in terms of big money, but you know, there there's some really big fights up there for him, and he's going to make money down the line, but. I think they're trying to maximize their 47 plus man being undisputed is a big deal. That is historic. So they definitely want to get that on the docket. Um, and you know, Crawford, he's trying to get that big payday. He's, this is, this is that first big, big shot. Yeah, I know. And, and Crawford did say unfortunately, that. Yeah. Unfortunately. I don't know. I know. Unless you count Porter, but Porter was literally retired after the fight and was kind of like a shell of his former self. But Crawford did say on the IG live that, um, I heard through the grapevine that, uh, Spence will be fighting Thurman. Uh, and you have said that, heard you, that too. Yeah, you don't want to fight Thurman, and you've said you don't want to fight him. You don't want to give him that chance because he didn't give you that chance. I think Crawford was trying to say, like, listen, you're not even your own boss. Like, you don't even make the decisions for yourself. Like, you've told everyone you're not fighting Thurman, and that's who you're going to be fighting next. Spence did say that we'll be fighting someone next. Mine's not a tune-up. His is. Um, so they, they left it open-ended. They said, well, we, re- we will revisit this, but Crawford burned a lot of bridges with that Instagram Live, uh, kind of exposing how the PBC was handling this and who knows uh, right now I'm I <laughs> don't think it's ever going to happen like why would we think it is but that's the latest so maybe it'll be Spence Thurman you heard Spence Thurman 
I did hear that. And I like that fight. And not so much because of where Thurman is in terms of his career at this point, because he's kind of sputtered out of the last couple of years because he's been so inactive. Right. But I think historically it, it's really important to to take out one of those top horses at at the at the welterweight division who's been around for years and he's one of those guys he's fought everybody he beat some of the top guys he beat sean porter he bought he beat uh he beat uh danny garcia mm -hmm. so having that that head on your on your docket is is a another feather in the cap for spence's career right and it makes money too i mean that's what it's all about yeah. and the pbc needs to make money um they need to make money on spence and you know stanonius boots virgil ortiz um I think they would make some some money, but not the same amount as Thurman, who is a very known commodity as you just uh, illustrated. So that's the latest on Spence Crawford. Uh, I think fans are kind of at their wits end with it. Kind of just want to move on, talk about the fights that we are getting. A big fight this weekend, Bivol Ramirez. We're going to preview that uh, in a little bit. Ronnie is here with us. We have Ronnie's Rocky Review. Ronnie, Rocky Review. We'll get to it at the end, but... Apparently, he says it's going to be wild. He has thoughts. I have so many thoughts I need to discuss that might be worth listening to. Yeah, so that's coming. This, uh, this guy's going to break. He's going to break the internet. <laughs> he's going to uh, say Rocky was overrated. Uh, yeah, that's coming next. But uh, some headlines. We got a lot of headlines to get to. Um, there's a lot going on in the world. So, Ronnie, take it away um, with the headline segment. So, guys, to start off with headlines, the first one we got is Canelo is out till out till September after hand surgery yeah we been talking about this for a while chris um he talked about it after the fight with golovkin um i saw something on instagram like he had a cast on like i would say like two weeks ago he very subtle like put it on his instagram story but now he's just straight up listen i my i got hand surgery the cast is off they're saying maybe may but most likely september if anyone needs a break and and needs some time off it, it's canelo alvarez but this is interesting to me because now this opens up the May date, and that's a date that Canelo has had for years now. It's one of the biggest dates you can have in boxing, Cinco de Mayo weekend. This opens up a lot of options for you know PBC or Matchroom or whoever uh, to, to pencil someone in that weekend. It could be Wilder Ruiz. It could be Benavidez and Plant because guess what? Benavidez versus Uzcateki, that fight's off. So uh, what's your initial reaction to uh, Canelo getting the hand surgery, sitting out, and what it could mean for the rest of boxing? You know, they were dangling that – that idea, you know, when it, when it first happened after the fight, that it, it was going to be some time off and probably be a long time off. As soon as they say that, I knew it was going to be the, 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 pretty much the maximum time off. It was going to be six months. It was going to be a quick return. Um, if they put it out there, they're kind of fishing around. Like, ah, it might be like a year until he's in the ring. It's going to be a year then because that's just how things were. And, um, you know, the guy the guy deserves it. He's been very active the last couple of years. Um, but in terms of the state of boxing, it's tough, man. If you don't have a Mexican star to fight during the in in May, that's a big issue for for boxing uh, on a whole. It opens up the door for guys like you said, the Andy Ruiz fight. Not necessarily. I'm not anywhere near a Canelo type star, but, you know, he's a Mexican heavyweight, first heavyweight Mexican heavyweight in history. Mm -hmm. Um we were talking about uh, Zerto Ramirez. He's fighting this weekend. He could potentially be lined up for that kind of spot right, the win this weekend. Yeah, that'd be he'd be he'd be a, a huge star, and this would be a great opportunity for him to take advantage of of that of that vacuum that is created by Canelo being out. Yeah, there is. It's definitely a vacuum. You're right, and, and we're gonna see how it it matriculates. Uh, I would say like Wilder Ruiz would probably be the favorite, in my opinion, to get that, uh, like that weekend. Obviously, you want to have a Mexican fighter in there, Andrew Ruiz, uh, Deontay Wilder. Uh, even though our next headline will maybe tip our hand on on what Wilder might do next, but 
I brought up the Uskateki Benavides fight. Remember, we talked about this last week, and we were like, Ugh, yep. this fight sucks. Yeah. The they 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 let go of it. I mean, they're um, uh, who's it? Benavides's manager said we're we don't we're not doing that fight. But public backlash. So. If you're a, if you're yeah, a fan, well, they, they actually they listened to our show and they canceled the fight immediately. <laughs> I wouldn't be like, shocked. I wouldn't be no, shocked. Like, Algeria and Kenobi are not into this fight. If people aren't into it, it's off. Yeah, we move the needle. I mean, we are needle movers. Yeah, we do. But, we do. But uh, to, to be real for a second, like a lot of fans were like disgusted by that fight and and public backlash. I mean, I like that promoters are are listening to it. I like that the fans mm-hmm. are ultimately the ones that pay for these fights and want to watch these fights. You know, I put out a tweet saying it's a massive waste of time. We talked about it on the show. It's we don't want to see Benavides against these no hopers. I mean, like find someone better. And it seems like his team is going to go out there and find a bigger fight whether it's David Morrell, whether it's C- Caleb Plant. Come on. Caleb Plant Benavides on Cinco de Mayo weekend Las Vegas is a no brainer. It is mm-hmm. a banger of a fight. It is something fresh. It's something new. Uh, you can make it a pay-per-view. It, that's the fight. I mean, they should do everything they can to try to make that fight. Boxing is almost never a democracy, but sometimes you get what you vote for, and people just didn't want that Uzakati fight. And if that pushes us into that plant, Benavides fight, that's awesome. And it has great news for the sport. And like you said, that that's that's a no-brainer for for the single to Mayo weekend. Maybe pack the car with some other other top Mexican guys. I mean, I'd, I'm really interested in that fight. I think that's a great fight, especially with with the way Caleb looked in his last fight. He really impressed me with Darrell. Um, you know, I, I still don't think he beats Benavides. I, I really think Benavides is is the the monster of the division. Um, but I, th- I, I sure as hell want to see it. All right, cool. That's that's one of the headlines. Ronnie, what do you got? Next up, speaking of moving the needle, we have Joshua and Wilder's teams are talking. <laughs> yeah, this came out. Uh, I saw this. Eddie Hearn indicated that Shelly Finkel finally replied to one of his emails from months ago. Uh, Hearn says that this is one of the fights that, that, that he has to make. I mean, going back to 2017, when these two first were champions at the same time and the fight should have been made. I still think there's an appetite for it, especially uh, with what we saw from Wilder. Uh, take a look. Wilder couldn't hit the numbers for that pay-per-view were bad. He needs a big dance partner, whether it's Ruiz, uh, whether it's Joshua, uh, whether it's Usyk. I hope it's Joshua. Um, they're having talks. I mean, we've heard we, we just spent the, the beginning of the show talking about talks. <laughs> That's what we do lately is talk about talks. But it is encouraging, and I, I do think they should do everything they can to salvage that fight because the window is still open for it. It's a little, it's like barely open. It's a crack, but that fight happens. I still think it could be electric. Yeah, I, I agree, and I, I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that the Wilder Hellenius numbers were so horrific. Seventy-five grand on a, on a pay-per-view is is piss poor. So I think they really want to move the needle as much as they can with Wilder. With these heavyweights now, especially all these guys, these guys who are literally the the, the kings of the sport of the of the heavyweight division a couple of years ago who are now a bunch took some hard losses, guys fell off. Um so I think they're trying to maximize the amount of money they can make with these guys while the names are still relevant. And in that case the Joshua Wilder fight makes the most sense. You know it's funny, um we're seeing some matriculation from that wilder fight it's like you know what like they took a bath on that i mean 20 million guarantee 
uh, and it doesn't do well, that was a else. mistake. I know. Shouldn't have had a twenty million guarantee, right? And then those numbers, but also the marketing for the fight was 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 nil. So, and I think you see that a lot with a, a lot of the the, the PBC fights that they're, they're not really marketed that well to the to the uh, the people who are outside the sport. And to get big big numbers, you need that you need those crossover those crossover eyeballs, right? And and, and maybe you know the Spence Crawford, you know they're paying for that. You know, no guarantee for them. Why a guarantee for Wilder Hellenius? Uh, when we know that Spence Crawford could do anywhere between like at least five hundred thousand, I mean, you'd think. I, I don't know the market is so volatile now, but right, like yeah, at least crossover appeal for that fight. I think the Spence Crawford, their names are big enough; they've been around long enough. Um, and I think if it's marketed the right way, you know, with enough time, that's why when they were talking about it happening in November, I was like, no way. It was September and it wasn't announced yet. Like, there's no way there's enough time to make this the fight that it needs to be, especially in order to make money and sell sell pay per views to pay these guys if there's zero guarantee. You really think so? You really don't think it should it could be that it could be that big, or you you really think it needs more marinating? I think it's been marinating for like yes. five years. No, not marinating per se, but I mean, I think in terms of the in terms of marketing for, for once a date is set, you got to give a fight like that at least two full months 10 weeks 12 weeks to to not only let them train but to build that fight up you know i did a press tour for the pacquiao fight they were trying to build pay-per-use for that too and i mean it was like two and a half months prior we were flying all over the world to 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 market that thing and, and to promote it like true promoting and i think when you want to get crossover crossover appeal you, you got to do that you got to put the money into the marketing because you know this this just letting it go out there and have people just tune in isn't working yeah, I, I think Spence did say that he, there was going to be some type of tour, too. Like, they kind of did away with those. They haven't done those since your uh, Pacquiao uh, days. Pretty sure that was the last one that we <laughs> ever done. That was the last world tour ever done. It, it, it was fun, but it didn't, didn't sell that many pay-per-views. <laughs> Go ahead, Ron. Next up, we have Emmanuel Navarrete versus Oscar Valdez penciled in for 130. See, that's what I'm talking about, people. We're getting big fights. You might have to wait a little bit. Uh, February 3rd, Super Bowl weekend, or the week before Super Bowl, is when we will get Emmanuel Navarrete versus Oscar Valdez at 130 pounds. Navarrete moving up from featherweight. Valdez obviously was a former 130-pound champ before he got upended by by Shakur. Love this fight. I mean, this is your, your brawler versus boxer. Two Mexicans. I mean, this is going to be a really good fight, and top rank is on a roll. This this reminds me of when Valdez signed to fight Burchelt, and Burchelt at the time was an he was an axe murderer of the other division. My God, he was he was blowing guys out. He was super super tough, very very dangerous, big strong. That's kind of how Navarrete is at this point. I do think he's he's more solid, especially in terms of his ability to take punches than Burchelt ever was. Um, but he is a smaller guy coming up. Now Valdez is probably not going to be the bigger man, even though he's in the higher weight class. But um, Navarrete is huge. I've been in fighter meetings with him. He's a really, really big 22, 26, 30-pounder. Um, so it's an interesting matchup. I'm curious to see how Navarrete looks at 130. And with Valdez, Valdez, obviously, he, we know he can punch. We know he's got great boxing ability, and he, and he showed that again in the Burchell fight. So being the guy who's more comfortable at the weight class but also has power, I think this makes this fight that much more interesting. I love it. I think Top Rank is doing great things um, getting these All fights. over. Top Rank's doing top to bottom really well in terms of their, their new prospects they're signing and the big fights they're making. It's awesome. Yeah, I'm, and they're on they're on a they're on a roll. I mean, they have mm-hmm. a, a really good roster. They have a very uh, big network behind them. Whether the fights
highlights are ended up on ESPN Plus, which has like I think they have surpassed like 20 million subscribers. Like it's not a big deal if a fight's on ESPN Plus or whether it's on regular ESPN. December 10th, they got Tiafimo and Pedraza. They have Big Baby on that Great card. Anderson on that card. They have Keyshawn Davis on that card. Um, that is great. So to see them uh, putting together another really good fight, like these Friday night ESPN fights. Um, it's a good thing. I mean, there's a lot of really good fights for the first uh, few months of 2023. I know some fight fans don't want to hear that or don't want to wait uh, that long. But if you take a look, I mean, Charlo Zhu, uh, you know, Catterall versus Taylor uh, rematches the f- Saturday after uh, the same weekend as Valdez and Navarrete. Um, there's some there's some fights being made. Uh, Better be at versus Yard. Uh, you know, there's you know, Usyk and Fury might be tangling in the first quarter of 2023. So. I like to be positive. I like to look ahead, and and I honestly think there there are a lot of big fights on the horizon. Ronnie, next up, guys, what we have is sorry, let me just find it. Amanda Serrano versus Erica Cruz is next for remaining one twenty six belt. Love this. So I, I I'm glad to say that I I, I could. I was wrong. <laughs> we talked about this last week on Sunday show. Like I I said that I don't think that Serrano. Um, will go to Ireland. Well, first off, she's going to be fighting. I was partially right. You remember, I did. Yes, <laughs> I said who's going to be over there. <laughs> I was partially right here. I I said that she would her next fight would be at 126, and that seems like what it's going to be. Erica Cruz uh, is the last remaining belt holder at 126 that Serrano has not beaten, and they've worked WBA has worked out a way for them to to fight each other. I can see that happening in the first two or three months of 2023. And then I like this. Serrano says that she will go to Ireland for the Taylor rematch. I'm, I'm kind of shocked by this, but I'm also, like, pumped. Like, I, I want to see it in Ireland. Uh, we want to fight Katie Taylor in Ireland at Croke Park. Um, Serrano's brother-in-law and career-long head trainer manager. That's Jordan Maldonado told Boxing Scene. She deserves to fight in her home country. In fact, we don't want to fight her anywhere else except for Ireland. Interesting. That is very cool, very respectful. Um, I I appreciate that. You know, they, they Taylor won the first one, um, but also I think they understand that this is good for women's boxing on the whole. I think taking it somewhere who's wildly as popular as she is and taking it to her home country, that's um, going to make it a huge event. And I I tip my hat to Team Serrano for for taking that trip, going over there, you know, for the good of the sport. Um, so yeah, that's that's cool, very respectful. I like that. All right, Ronnie, we got the audio. Some people are saying Chris is low. Yeah, I'm been... hot. I put him up all the way here. So <laughs> I don't know what's going on. I, I can hear Chris in my ear. Um, Maybe the new mic. The new mic. Well, mic sounds perfect in I my sound, ear. Yeah, we sound great in our ears. So. All right, let's keep it moving then. Um, all right, we, I got one last headline oh, for what you. Do you got? What do you got? What do you last got? Last one, we got Serrano says she will go we did to. That. We just said that. The rematch? Yeah, yeah, brother. I thought I did. Yeah, I, we Ronnie's trying to that. fix our mics. He's doing a million things at once. Yeah, it, it, it's all good. <laughs> yeah. We, yeah, I just said that Serrano will uh, okay. travel to Ireland. It's okay, Ron. It's all right. We're Guys, all right. This, is what, this is what happens when you get a live show. You get to see yeah. the, <laughs> the inner workings of how things can go wrong. Yeah, we're, we're, we're keeping it moving. Should we move on to our top five list? Before we get to the B-Ball, uh, Ramirez, and we got the Ronnie's Rocky review top five list. Are we ready to do that? I'm ready to do that. Let's do that. Top ready. F- five performances of the year where i can't believe it 10 months down uh into this year front loaded because there were a lot of good fights in the beginning of the year not so many in the last couple of months 
Uh, I will. Well, we had good ones scheduled. (laughs) You know, we had we had a good schedule set up. It just didn't work out for any of them. Right. Yeah. We could do that. Like best. We could. Our next five can be best fights that best fights that didn't happen. Didn't happen. I can make a hundred. I can make a very long list uh, for that one. But I'll start it off. I will go uh, with number five. I have Clarissa Shields win over Savannah Marshall. Um, One of the better performances of the year. Shields landed forty percent of her power. Uh, she landed 44 jabs. That's 44 jabs were a career high. How about this? By the second round of this fight, Shields had landed 35 power punches. That's more power punches than Marshall <laughs> opponent had ever landed uh, on on her. So uh, it was all Shields in this one against the ropes. She landed and she had the biggest win of her career and she looked awesome. Number four, Shakur Stevenson over Oscar Valdez. Absolutely disarmed Valdez. Was toying with him in there. Knocked him down at one point. Uh, pretty much made Valdez look, uh, you know, like a novice in there. Uh, that's how good Shakur Stevenson is, and, and Stevenson is on a rocket ship to the top, number four. Number three, this fight happened uh, just this past week. Kenshiro Tarahaji, uh, his big win over Hiroto Kaioki. Now this, uh, excuse me, uh, Kaioguchi. That was at 108 pounds, and a 50-50 fight on paper. That Kenshiro uh, absolutely dominated this fight, Chris. Knocked him down twice. A uh, huge win for Kenshiro. I had that uh, at, at number three. These lower weights don't get a lot of love, so I wanted to put them uh, on there. Number two, speaking of the lower weights, Bam Rodriguez, who had himself a year, uh, probably one of the fighter of the uh, he's the fighter of the year contender, uh, if Bivol could get past uh, Ramirez. But Bam Rodriguez over Rung Visai. Look at these numbers, man. 66% uh, power connect rate. 66% of his power shots, 14 jabs around. Outlanded Rungvasai 101 to 28 over the final three rounds, dominating uh, every facet of the game. Bam Rodriguez over a really good opponent, Rungvasai, a guy that was a champion for, for, for many years. So Bam Rodriguez, number two. And number one, I got Dimitri Bivol over uh, Canelo Alvarez, obviously a fight we, uh, one of the biggest upsets of, of the year and a performance of the year, in my opinion, limited to Canelo, just 27% uh, power. Uh, and keep in mind, Canelo came into that fight landing almost 50%. He disarmed Canelo. Canelo landed in single digits in 10 of the 12 rounds. Bivol controlled the fight, his coming out party. Uh, he, that to me is the performance of the year. Nice. I like, I like how we have very, oh, usually... We have different ideas about these kind of top fives. I love these top fives. I put a lot of thought into them. They're, they're a lot of fun. Um, you really have to dig deep. But um, so my top five, number five, I got um, Fundora and Lubin. Mm. I thought Fundora, this was his, his really his coming out party for, you know, his young career. Um, big step up is one of those classic crossroad fights with two, two prospects. What are they, who's going to step into the contender status? Fundora did it. He did it in fantastic fashion. And I think we're going to see him around for a long time. Uh, next, Inouye versus Donaire 2. Mm. Inouye, I mean, I called this fight live at 3 o'clock in the morning because it was over in Japan, and I was totally blown away. Donaire is a friend of mine. It's someone that I've been a, a huge fan of for, for his absolutely stellar career, and the way that Inouye was able to completely dominate, completely control him, the guy threw one right hand in the first round, and that punch dropped Donaire. And he came out and hurt him again with the left hook, I mean, it was just, it was so complete, even though it was only a two round destruction. Absolutely incredible performance from, from Inouye. Next, third one. This got on here because I just like this fight uh, Charlo and Castaño. Oof. Because the first fight was awesome. And it was argument either way who could have won the fight. I obviously said it ended in a draw. Um, Castaño 
took all that he could give and gave gave it back just as much, if not more, uh, in the first fight. And then Charlo came out in this fight and didn't take his foot off the gas. Like he 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 boxed, but he was willing to trade and mix it up. He got hit with some big shots, and for him to be able to to, to win the way he did and stop Castaño in a in a in a heated rematch, very very impressive performance, and it was fun. Uh, next, so I'm I'm switching my my top two with your top two. Okay, I've got Bivol. Uh, his performance against Canelo as mm. number two, because I kind of expected Bivol to win that fight. Really, I didn't like the matchup. Yeah, I didn't like the matchup at all. I think the size. So, little known fact, I was in the corner with Sullivan Barrera the night that he fought Dimitri Bivol at the Garden, and I got to see him firsthand, and I saw how good he was and his ability to control distance. And I thought that was going to give the smaller Canelo a lot of trouble, and the matchup was just all wrong. And it turned out that way. Dimitri still had to go out there and do what he did. And he did it with the with one of the best, you know, arguably the pound for pound best fighter in the world. So tip my hat, tip to him. But man, Jesse Rodriguez and Rungvisai, that's that's my number one performance of the year. Um he he had that kind of break into the rank and well, break into the world title discussion when he beat Quadras on ten days notice and jumped up two weight classes. But this was like he had a real training camp. He was coming off being a world champion uh, for the very first time and fighting a very, very tough, durable, dangerous champion who's been around for a long time. And he completely dominated and and got the knockout. So for me, that was that was the breakout performance of 2022. Those are some good performances, man. Uh, William Cepeda over Diaz uh, could be on awesome. on your list. You know, yep. 1600 punches broke all sorts of records. Uh, Usyk over Joshua, you know that tenth round. That was my that was my honorable mention. I thought that Usyk fought. A, I thought Joshua fought a much better fight, and Usyk still was able to dig deep and find that next year to win. Yeah, when Usyk was able to find that that tenth round was stuff of legends uh, to win the title, uh, retain the titles. Spence over Ugas too. Spence uh, threw 80, yes. eighty-two punches around in that fight. Looked like a freaking world beater. Uh, I'm sure there's some other ones in there um, that uh, we want to get to, but that is our top five performances of the year now it's time to get into the main event of this weekend and the, the main event of this show and that is a huge fight in the light heavyweight division chris i'm excited for this especially after uh you know the spence crawford nonsense ryan garcia tank nonsense fury joshua nonsense how about we start talking about fights that we are getting you know 50 50 fights or at least in some minds, uh, uh, a light heavyweight clash between a guy that just beat Canelo Alvarez and an undefeated fighter in Gilberto Ramirez. I love this fight. Bivol and Zerto. Let's go. Can you hear me? Yeah. You got me? Nope. You got, I got me? you. You got me. Yeah. yeah. Bivol I, uh, and Zerto. I'm, I, I'm pumped. I, I, got the, I like this fight. I like this fight a lot. Um, I like the timing of the fight, too. We're seeing guys fighting closer to their prime. It's not like we're waiting... You know, five years when guys are over the hill. Uh, they're both undefeated. They're both fantastic fighters. Um, and it's a meaningful fight, too. It's going to be the true champion at, at, at light heavyweight. Um, and, and, well, other than... Yeah, I was going to say. Better be the, 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 the demon that, that that lives amongst them. Um, but, yeah, no, this, fight's, this fight is uh, an interesting matchup stylistically, too. Zerto is a problem for anyone. He's tall. He's long. He's big. He's a southpaw. Uh, he's a great body puncher. He's just he's a nightmare for for a lot of reasons. But so is Bivol in a different way, much more in a technical than than physical prowess. But 
I mean, his in and out stance, his that that really really good sharp jab, um, his combination punching, the way he lets his hands go, and he's got good defense as well. So you know, Bivol I think gives gives trouble to anybody. Um, it really is, I think, a fifty fifty fight. But I, I think that Bivol not only increased his stock with the win over Canal, I think he I think he even understood how much better he is and how good he actually is, and I think he's going to ride that. You know, one of two things can happen if they're big wins like that. Guys can either fall off because they, they get complacent or they step up their game. It's kind of like when you win a title and the guy gets 20, 30% better his very next fight. Yeah. I, I kind of see it like that. So I'm I'm pulling for for uh, Bivol to win this fight, but it's going to be hotly contested throughout. I, I, the re- One reason I don't think Bivol is going to become complacent is because he is saying all the right things. They're asking him about a Canelo rematch all week long, and he's told numerous different outlets that are there covering this fight, is I am not focused on fighting Canelo again. I mean, what fighter has said that? You know, first of all, yep. all these fighters are standing in line waiting for Canelo to come and choose them, and, and you got Bivol saying, you know what? Like, I don't want a rematch with him. I, I'm focused on better BF. I'm focused on Zerto. I'm focused on being undisputed at, at, at light heavyweight, and you have to respect that. I mean, that's number one. The thing I respect about Bivol is this is a guy that we should be celebrating, man. I know he doesn't do a lot of interviews, and he doesn't, doesn't have the highest profile, and, you know, his fighting style might not be for everyone. I'm going to talk about his fighting style in, in, in just a bit, but... You know, this is a guy that is saying the right things. He just wants to be the best. Uh, you know, he had that whole HBO machine behind him, and he kind of stalled out a little bit, you know, fought a lot. And, you know, he you didn't see a lot of his fights until that Canelo fight, which, you know, that was his coming out party. I mean, geez, look what he did with, with Canelo, limiting Canelo to just 27% power punches in that fight. Uh, Canelo landed in single digits in 10 uh, of the 12 rounds. And uh, it's a guy that, you know, boxing fans should get behind, especially today, in today's day where these guys aren't fighting as much and we're not getting the fights that we want. You know, B-Ball's going from Canelo Alvarez to undefeated Zerto Ramirez, who on fight night could be anywhere between 200 and 205 pounds uh, wow. in the ring. His last fight, he, he was 204. Uh, Ramirez. This is a big guy. Let's talk about Ramirez first before uh, we get to Bivol. Um, seems rejuvenated at 175. Uh, seems rejuvenated since he signed with Golden Boy. Uh, I think some fighters just make sense for certain promoters, and I think that uh, Gilberto Ramirez being a Mexican and, and being very popular in Southern California just fits Golden Boy, and he's been able to do some good things at 175. He's 5-0 with five knockouts. Since moving up to 175, he throws 72 punches around at 175. And I love this. This is a stark difference from Bivol. 60% of uh, Zerto's thrown punches are power shots. He's coming to brawl. He's coming to take mm-hmm. you out. Six foot three, like you talked about, 75-inch reach. Uh, can blow up to heavyweight when he steps in, into the ring uh, on Saturday night. I really like Zerto and another guy that kind of fell off the map a little bit but can come back in a very big way if he can beat Bivol. Yeah, no, this is this is a huge opportunity for him. And we spoke about that when we're talking about Cinco de Mayo with the vacuum left by Canelo being out. You know, with a win this weekend, Zerto Ramirez could be the next Mexican superstar. You know, this is a huge fight to beat the man who beat Canelo. It just makes sense that he would be stepping into that line and, and filling that void, uh, for, at least for the time being. Um and then, you know, it, it, and there's, I think there's going to be a lot of eyes on this, mostly because of Bivol, you know, in his, his last performance. People are like, oh, this is the guy that beat Canelo. Um, who's this guy he's fighting, if you don't know who it is? Um, but for those in the, in the 
in the boxing world, it's this is a, a fight that everyone's going to be tuned in on, and and one that I'm happy is happening as like a loner weekend. Like it's just there's no other fights. This is the fight for the weekend. It's not getting lost in the shuffle, um, and it has the opportunity to, to create, you know, a, a great fight and a good opportunity for for fans to, to to see these guys do their thing. Not only that, I, I love that you have Hearn and Oscar there. I know they had to come mm -hmm. together from a purse bid, and you know, you know, they were almost forced to make a deal on this fight. But just like the picture I tweeted out, just like the photo op of Hearn and Delahoya, like shaking hands, smiling. You know, these are two guys that. You know, uh, obviously the, the history of Canelo Alvarez and, you know, Canelo was with Oscar for years and now he's with her. And it's almost like Oscar is now hanging out with his ex-girlfriend's new boyfriend. <laughs> and it's like, but it's good to see. Like the, the symbolism is there. Like, can't we all get along? Like the promoters working together is great for the sport. So I like that visual, especially after some of the nonsense we've gotten in the last couple of weeks. Also love it because I just think it's going to be a good fight. You know, a 50-50 yeah. fight, a light heavyweight, a division that I think is on the rise. Um, you know, take a look at the division right now. You have Better BF, who's clear number one at, at light heavyweight. He's got three of the belts. He's undefeated. He he stopped every opponent. He's number one. Bevel, he's got to be the scariest man in boxing. <laughs> Seriously, that guy's absolutely scariest damn, man in boxing. He's the, he's the boogeyman right now. Beast. Uh, at number one, he's fighting Anthony Yard in in February. Then you got Bivol. I like that fight. Yard Yard's in fun fights, and yeah. uh, better be just. A, it, I think it's just another person for him to smash, but it'll be fun while it lasts. Yeah, I've seen uh, audio's perfect now, Ronnie. Perfect. I, I've seen um, worse mandatories than Yard versus Better BF. So yes, Better BF not get, will probably get him out of there. I have Better BF number one. Obviously, Bivol number two. Those two seem like they're on a crash course. Bivol wants it, and Better BF wants it. Uh, they have to work through some negotiations and uh, network stuff to get there. But three through five, you know, it's pretty wide open. You know, you got Gilberto Ramirez, you got Callum Smith who's knocking guys out. You got a new kid on the block and Joshua Bellazzi. You got these gatekeepers, and I use that, you know, not derogatory at all. Craig Richards, um, some other names that won the he's tough Pascal. Um, there are names at this division. This division for a while was kind of not good. It was kind of mid, but now it's it's mm -hmm. looking good. It's looking good with Better Bev and Bivol and R Ramirez. So uh, I think that's another thing, too, is like getting these, you know, getting big fights and divisions that uh, you need, need a little bit of a spotlight on them. Yeah, I, I, I forgot about Smith. I forgot that he's at 75 now and he's been looking scary at the weight. Uh, I, that's one of those guys that definitely improved by moving up, similar to, to Gilberto uh, Zerto. Um, he, I'm curious to see where he ends up in this mix with those top five guys because he could very well be in with the very top guys at, at any point and, and sometime soon. Um, we just got to see him step his, his, his competition up a little bit. The last couple guys that he fought were, you know, expected to win, but he won spectacularly. Yeah. So um, the winner of this is should solidify themselves as, as number two, for sure. Even though I have B-ball at number two, maybe even one a, um, I'll get your thoughts on that in a second, but um, just to put a bow on, on Ramirez, how do you think Ramirez, like, can he get through, 60% of his thrown punches are power shots. He has knockout power, throws 72 punches around. Will he be able to land on Bivol? Because I'll give you some of Bivol's metrics in a bit. Really, really hard to land on. What would be? Yeah. What is Gilberto Ramirez's path to victory against Bivol? It's got to be the jab. I don't think the combination of punching and throwing power shots is, is a great lead-in. Um, if you're not setting up that power, 
which Gilberto generally doesn't have to as much because of his length. He's able to just walk guys down. When you're taller and longer than someone, every fight starts at a distance. So range is your is your number one asset. So he has that range. He doesn't need to utilize the jab as much because he's he's I can hit you before you can hit me. Going to be different with Bivol. Bivol's in and out. That in and out style that he has is going to change the range often. So that that critical distance line is going to be constantly changing. So he's going to have to use his jab to to either feint his way in, land those shots, and then get him in front of you so you can actually land those shots. Because for the most part, Bivol, when he's on, he's in that mid to outside range, he's in and out, and he's moving. And he's mm-hmm. not in that place to get hit, which is why his defense is so good. He's not a guy who's sitting there sliding, slipping shots. He's actually stepping out of range. Um, so in order for Zerto to, to get to within range, where we can let those hands go for the combination punch that he usually is, he's going to have to jab his way in. A champion in the chat says, uh, y'all got to push Algeri's face and name more for this channel because I didn't know he was on this channel. Well, now you know, champion. Tell your champ, friends. Champ, tell, your, tell your friends. <laughs> Spread the word. Yeah, we do this uh, every week, Sunday. We do twice a week now, Sunday or Monday twice morning and Thursday. Monday, Monday, Thursday. And we have a lot of big things uh, coming uh, in the future. But, yeah, uh, B-Vol's a beast. Um, some of these numbers are absolutely absurd. Uh, he gets a knock or he gets – criticized oh he's boring all he does is jab uh and he doesn't get hit but uh how about being elite at what you're known for like being the very best jabber uh not named Golovkin and having the best defense in boxing uh I think that's a a good thing so if you're going to be known for 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 two things be the best at them and that's certainly uh Dimitri Bivol how about this Bivol has not been outlanded in his last 37 rounds and 75 of 76 overall. 12 of those rounds against Canelo has fought decent opposition. But that list, I don't care who's on that list. You're professional. Two professionals getting in a ring. And you have not been outlanded in 37 rounds in 75 of your last 76. He's not been outlanded since 2018 in a round. That is crazy. Also, crazy. And, and- and at the level that he's been, like you said, they're maybe not to be the most known, but they're all world-class guys. Right, and Bivol has limited his opponents to single digits in 130 of his last 141 rounds. What did he do to Canelo? He held Canelo uh, to ten uh, under 10 connects in 10 of the 12 rounds. Canelo came into this fight on top of the world, 48% of his power shots, uh, landing at will, knocking you know dudes out, taking people out, being dominant. Bivol absolutely disarmed him. You know, he 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 limited him to twenty seven percent. I mean, this is what he does: jab and defense. Yes, I I thought before the Canelo fight that I didn't think he threw his right hand enough. I didn't think he would be able to keep Canelo off of him. I didn't think he'd be able to uh, have enough power. I was wrong because he has just enough power, and his timing is perfect with that right hand to go along with a prolific jab and really good defense. Yeah, like I said, the timing, the 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 judge of distance. That's that was the thing that impressed me the most when I saw him live. It was the first round of the fight versus Sullivan Brer, and Sullivan has longer reach. He stepped in with the jab. Bivol took a very deft step back, made Sullivan overreach, and then he stepped in with a very short, hard jab. Bang! And it landed clean and solid. And right then and there, I was like, we're in for a long night because <laughs> someone who can control that distance that way and make it so effortless, even in the first round, is a problem. Yeah, he's got a really good jab, too. Uh, like I said, if really good jab, really good defense. 65% of Bivol's thrown punches are jabs. Uh, 60% of Zerto's punches are 
power shots. I love this style yeah. matchup from that aspect. It's like which guy's going to be able to do what they do and implement their style. I always love to see how that that plays out. Uh, really good jab from Bivol. He's landed 388 jabs in his last three fights. <laughs> uh, Ramirez has landed 352 in his last 11. So that just shows the difference in the uh, how much uh, Bivol jabs, almost to a fault, where people are like, hey, man, throw that, throw that right hand. <laughs> we want to see you throw that right hand. 18.1 uh, plus minus rating. That's third in all of boxing. Uh, it's hit and don't get hit. It's nine jabs per round. Uh, is second in all of boxing, only behind Golovkin. So I Listen, think you're the numbers king. If a guy is out out jabbing and not getting hit, he wins the fight. Right That's, across the board, every fighter who has a good jab and good defense is the top of, top in their division. That's it's, just that's just the name of the game. That's, that's what boxing is. But it's not. Yeah, you're gonna win. But he goes the distance, and he he doesn't have those knockouts. And yeah. like it's why Golovkin became so popular. Golovkin has a really good jab. Um, it's Technically, a little bit better than Bivol's, at least numbers-wise. Um, but he's not harder, a yeah, lot harder, harder, and he knocked guys out. So therefore, he yeah. he had a marketing machine behind him in HBO. Remember, Bivol was gonna be like the next Golovkin. They were they were going to Monte Carlo and having these showcase fights for Bivol, really pushing him, really getting behind him, and he just. He did knock out guys early on, but something changed where he's like, "I'll just just UD, UD, UD," and that's fine. But, you know, you're not going to get, like, the fame. You're not going to get pushed to the front of the line. But he just keeps winning. And uh, would you be Bibbles. shocked if he – if would you be shocked, Chris, if he unanimous decisions <laughs> give birth to Ramirez this weekend? No, no. That's actually where I, I would – I would if I had to put money on it, that's where I would go. That That's all the writings on the wall for that, especially for me hearing your the numbers right now. It's like, eh, that sounds like it, stylistically, even on paper, that this is a Bivol fight to win. Um, but – that being said, Bibble's one of those guys who he's not going to blow your socks off when he fights an okay fighter. He's not going to go out there and blow him out. He's not going to he's not going to get a highlight reel knockout. But he's also the guy who's going to beat the best guy in the division. He did take the take your top guy and he's still going to beat him. It reminds me of like Shakur Stevenson when he fought um, Nakatila. Yeah. Um, and uh, Bob Aram asked me afterwards. He's like, "Well, what do you think of his performance?" And I said, well, no, listen, the kid was fighting a very dangerous guy with a big right hand, which showed later on his next fight with Burchell. Um, and I was like, you know, he, this is what he does. I'm like, but with a kid like him, just put him in big fights because he's going to do the same thing to really good fighters. And that's going to get eyes because if you dominate someone who's not that good and people expect you to kill, nobody cares. But if you dominate someone who who's, who is a top guy, it really stands out. And I think that's Bibble's that kind of fighter. He's not yeah. the knockout guy. He's not the, the stunning guy. He's but he's going to upset the top. Yeah, it's well said. That's really well said because that's the knock on him. It's like he he doesn't he kind of fights down to his competition and then fights up to his competition. I mean, look what he did against Canelo. Uh, you may have thought that he was going to win, but a, not Vegas didn't. Uh, a lot of people yeah. took Canelo in that one. Our boy Rob Tebbit over at uh, ID Boxing News he he'll, he'll tell you until uh, he's on his deathbed that he took um, Bivol to beat uh, Canelo in, in in that one. But is that the, that's a pick? I think um. Going, I'm leaning towards a Bivol decision. I do think Ramirez, just from size standpoint, um, the thing with Canelo is he was just too small. He wasn't able to get a yeah. jab. He wasn't able to get through with anything. Um, I think Ramirez will have more success than Canelo. Would you tr – true or false? I agree. I think he's going to make it a very interesting fight. And I think a lot of that's going to come from the body work. I, I think yes. that there's opportunities for, for body shots in there. And – and different than Canelo, who's a, a single body shot punch, 
guy. He's looking for the left hook to deliver, and like he he'll, he'll throw one big one and then kind of look at it. Um, Zerto's not like that. He throws combinations to the body. He'll let he'll rip two shots to then circle out and then go back to the body again. He's got a really good straight left hand to the body, uh, which is a great move for a southpaw. And just with the way that that um, Bivol moves and the the reach advantage that that Zerto has, that can make this a lot more interesting. Yeah, Zerto, thirty five percent of his landed punches are body shots. Uh, Bivol is only sixteen percent. Um, CompuBox yeah. averages around 30. So you're right. Ramirez does go to the body. It's just your t- prototypical Mexican, uh, you know, body puncher and prototypical yeah. Mexican combination puncher. 65 punches around in his career, but upped it to about over 70 um, since he's been at lightweight. This fight's awesome. I'm getting even more and more excited the more we talk about it. Like, and Same. like you said, like a standalone. Yes, there is a Showtime fight at night. It is uh, David Morrell, uh, a very talented fighter, but has very has zero profile. Um, this is the big fight of the weekend. It's the fight that boxing needs uh, right at the moment. Uh, like I said, having Oscar involved there, having Hearn there. Uh, hopefully the winner of this fight's better BF next. And uh, hopefully we also get a really good fight. It kind of sucks that it's in wherever it is, Saudi Arabia. Is, I think that's where they are. Saudi or... Yeah, one of those. It's in the Middle East. I was just talking to, yeah, it's in Saudi Arabia. Abu Dhabi. Um, uh, I was just talking to Todd Grisham. He's there right now. He's <laughs> what a freaking trip that was. He must, he could fly everywhere. That guy is going to do glory just, and kickboxing. I saw Mannix is out there too. That's a long fight. What's the fir- obviously, you fought in Macau. Is that the furthest you've ever traveled? Uh, yes. Yeah. I did call, uh, Pacquiao Matisse in, uh, Malaysia. I called that with Todd Grisham. That was a, that was a long trip. But Tell us about that. Tell us about running oh. the streets with Todd Grisham. Oh, that was, uh, that was some time. <laughs> we, we ended up in a hospital in the morning. Stop it. <laughs> really? Show. Oh yeah. <laughs> Didn't he lose his, um, passport? Uh, I don't think that was time. that trip. I, might, I think I might have been a different trip, but I, I did leave before him, so that might have <laughs> that might have happened after I left. Man. But yeah, no, we uh, we we hit the ground running and really didn't stop. That's why until um, it was time to leave. That's why he's always texting us, uh, Grisham, with these ridiculous ideas for our show. Like I should do it. We should do it topless one episode. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I mean that would look good for him. Not not for me. Well, maybe Ronnie. Hi, Ronnie. You, you want to do the show topless next week? What I, listen, whatever gets us eyes. I mean, I'm not opposed. <laughs> uh, Gail, love Gail. She's in the chat. Uh, first of all, she says, Ronnie, thank you for the audio fix. Um, and she also says, Bivol works only as hard as he needs to work to win. He conserves his energy and won't make himself a target. It's smart, if not exciting. I think that's pretty damn spot on of a. Yep. Uh, analysis from our friend Gail. Um, that's what Bivol is. And we kind of know what he is at this point. He is a jab-first yeah. fighter with exceptional defense who has better-than-average power but will not sell out in any round. You could have made. He probably could have stopped Canelo uh, at some point in that fight. Would you agree with that? So, um, I don't know. Because to Canelo, if nothing else, he's durable. And he didn't really look hurt too, you know, at any point. Like badly at any point during the fight, uh, I was actually impressed with Bivol. He let his hands go more than I expected him to. Like there were times where Canelo was on the ropes and he was throwing four or five punch combinations. Like, and that's the thing about Bivol, he will let his hands go if the opportunity presents itself. He's just very cautious and he, he takes his time to do that. But I think once he realized that Canelo could not hurt him, he just felt fine letting those hands go, especially later on. Um, but yeah, no, I don't, I don't think he could. I don't think he. I mean, anything's possible. If you can hit a guy, you can stop him. But um, I didn't really see too many opportunities for that. We'll see how big Zerto enters the ring. Uh, weigh-in is on Friday. Um, 
big guy. Say 204 to 206. Right. On on Fight Night? Yeah. They don't really do that anymore. HBO used to get your your Fight Night weight. They don't do that anymore. Is that because yeah. they just well, don't? That's, because, because of a Toro Gotti. Because he would gain 22 pounds at 135 pounds. <laughs> <laughs> Go enter the ring as a middleweight? Uh, what's the yeah. most uh, weight you have uh, put on from a weigh-in to a Fight Night? Uh, I've been always pretty consistent. I actually, I actually put on more weight when I was younger. Um, I don't know, like when you're, I guess, I don't know, your tissue is just more elastic or whatever when you're younger, your ability to, to hydrate or whatever the case may be. But, uh, I'm like 16, 16 pounds, 15, 16 pounds is usually where I would end up when I was fighting a 40. I'd be in the ring about, yeah, 55, 56. Love that. Big fight this weekend. I'm going, uh, Bivol decision. I don't know if it's going to be split um or whether it's going to be unanimous uh lee groves a uh, very respected researcher uh for us at CompuBox, who puts together all these numbers for us he's actually he picked um gilberto ramirez shocked by that yeah I, uh, I saw that i read that i was i was that got me excited i was like hmm all right lee knows what he's talking about that that's makes this fight a little better because on paper i was like nah boring decision unanimous for for bivol but then now now that I've done a little more research, and you and I have talked about it. I read with Lee. I'm like, mm, this is actually this could be this could be a different kind of fight. Yeah, shout out Lee Groves puts together the best um, research packets for us at CompuBox and yeah, he our, rocks and our partners, um, network partners. All right, that's the fight, big fight this weekend. Also, David Morell's fighting on Showtime. Uh, he wants to get a crack at Benavidez, really good 168 pounder who has like under seven or eight fights. He's huge in Minnesota. Yeah. Really weird that Minnesota is like a hotbed for boxing, but PBC has has built that up. Uh, Jessica McCaskill is the co-main event on the Bivol Zerto card. She's fighting Chantel Cameron. That's a really good fight. Good fight. Uh, so there's and there's, there's a couple of title fights on this uh, Bivol card. So there is good boxing this weekend. Uh, that's what's going on in the boxing world on Saturday afternoon fight in the U.S. Uh, because they're in Abu Dhabi. All right, finally we teased it. Ronnie's ready. He's smiling. Uh, for those that are in the chat right now, um, Ronnie last week revealed that he's never seen a Rocky movie. Um, a Rocky movie, not one. Any Rocky any movie. None. So obviously we blew our minds, obviously. Blew our minds, number one. Uh, well, I'm, my mind is blown every day here at the John Boy office on things. Um, our friend Dan Rourke didn't know who Regis Philbin was. Didn't I, know who... I, I don't know who that is. <laughs> Ronnie doesn't know who Regis Philbin was. Didn't know who, who wants I mean, to be a millionaire. Oh, I mean. Well, I mean, he's, tw he's 20 years old. <laughs> 20, 22. 22 years old. Yeah. But when anyway. You were two years old, that show was popular. It was very popular. It was, blue, it was like the biggest thing in the world at, at that, that, yeah. that time. That guy won the million for the first time. And instead of he had this lifeline, he didn't use any of his lifelines. He used his last phone a friend. To call his dad to tell him that I'm a millionaire. No way. It was the most insane moment. At it was, was live badass. too. It was bad. It was like what? And like wow. all these people he, kept he, failing. He knows it that well. He's yeah. he's that sure. Yeah. Awesome. All these <laughs> people kept failing for like two months. Everyone kept getting closer and closer and not getting it. And this guy he blew through it all. But okay. that's what this isn't a Who Wants to Be a Millionaire segment. No. This is Definitely a Rocky. Rocky. This is a Rocky segment. So Ronnie's never seen Rocky until no. last night. Yeah. Him and his girlfriend popped it in. Popped it in. And they put on the Rocky movie. And that's Ronnie. Ronnie, the floor is yours. What are your thoughts on? Best picture from 1976. So, Rocky. Here's a little backstory. So, I actually popped it in last night. Uh, congrats. Um, it was, and I fell asleep. Oh, good start. Fell asleep. 
Uh, Go it on. Wa- it was late. It was it was late night, and then I f- popped it back in this morning. Oh, okay. And I finished it this morning before coming into the office. Pop and finish. So, um, thoughts on Rocky One? First off the bat, the entire the first thirty minutes are useless. <laughs> first thirty minutes are absolutely useless in the movie. It adds basically nothing. It started off so slow. That's why I fell asleep late night last night because I was just not captivated. The first 30 minutes are only Rocky just walking places. Yeah. Yeah. He is just walking from. Can't afford a car, man. He's down and out. It was the 70s. I, I mean. Gas was expensive. There was gas shortage. I know they wanted to portray him as like, oh, he, you know, this guy gets around. He, he He's a he's a knee breaker and uh, he's a boxer, you know. And the first kind of boxing sequence was okay. Um, it kind of sets the mood. Mm-hmm. But. Like the first thirty-five minutes, I can do without. They. I am also kind of like I went to school. I studied film, so I kind of my my opinions are almost nothing. But I did study film a little bit in terms of like storytelling and stuff like that. Yeah. First thirty minutes, absolutely a wash. Don't need it. Didn't like it. Did not do anything for me. Next up, um, I felt like the movie was rushed. Interesting. The movie was definitely rushed. Chris is getting redder and redder by the second. <laughs> the the first bit, like you know, like I said, the first thirty minutes are don't need, and then it kind of like gets into a little bit of a groove with the whole Apollo Creed thing. I wanted to see a little more Apollo Creed. I feel like there wasn't enough Apollo Creed. Right. Um, first time you see him is that pre- like he's watching. Yes, he's the watching the, pr- the press conference, yeah. and he's, then he's so awesome that character. Yes. He's Ali. It's it's right. amazing. He's great. I wanted to see more. Um, he was a very intelligent man, very good uh, vocabulary, and they kind of set him up to be kind of like this nice villain. Like he, he was a he was a good vill- like good antagonist, if you will. But then you don't see him until they sprinkle him in, and where uh, Rocky's punching the meat bag on live TV, <laughs> yeah. and then they're like, "Oh, Apollo, you better come see this guy." And he's like, "Oh, I don't gotta see him." But like I, that scene, I feel like they should have elaborated more on that. They mm-hmm. should have, you know, had uh, Apollo Creed be like, hmm, maybe I should take this guy seriously or whatever. Didn't – I wanted to see more Apollo Creed. Once we get to the fight at the end, I was hyped. Yes. The, the juices were flowing. Everything was great. And then that first knockdown, oh, my goodness. Yes. That first knockdown, I jolted up. It was like 9 <laughs> – Better was, than coffee. It was like 9 a.m. this morning. I was like, all right, this is what I, this is what I want. This was a slow burn up until this point. I'm like, let's do it. Give me more of this. First knockdown it was great, and the, by the way, the entrance for Creed was hilarious. It was so over the top. Living I, in America, it might have been a little bit too much, too over the top. I don't know. This was also this was the seventies, so yes. I do I yes, do acknowledge exactly. this is the seventies. So that's how the movies were made back then. It was slow, uh, and it was very. Um, how how do you say he came in as. George Washington. At first, I thought it was Columbus. <laughs> Before was, Columbus got canceled. Yeah. Um, but it was George Washington. And um, I kind of, he kind of was a little too showboaty for being an intelligent man. He, they did portray him as a guy that loved America so much. It was a little too, like, gimmicky, a little too um, um, black man dance for the American crowd type. Okay. You know? All right. So um, that, that, the outfit is just obnoxious. Really, it's insane. It's it's an insane outfit. Dude. It's 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 a it's a, a Halloween costume. Yes, it was a Halloween right costume here. for a lot of people now. Yeah, for a second I thought he was gonna fight in the costume. That's how long he had it for, and then he kept saying, "I want you," because he was Uncle Sam. I want you. I want you. I want. I want the. He already got him. He's in the ring. Yeah, he's he's there. You know, he can That was a little 
Yeah, but fight first knockdown was great. It was great. Um, but then they did a little montage as like time passed by. I kind of wanted to see more. They rushed the fight, honestly. After the first knockdown, they rushed the fight, and then the ending happened. And for a second, I was like, wait, who won? I heard split decision. Yeah. I heard um, they kept saying, oh, I think I'm pretty sure Apollo Creed won. Uh, right? Chris? Did he win? Yeah. I was uh, see, I was uncertain. Um, and I did not like the ending at all. I did not this like. Is, I always say, like, like number one and number two should is like one movie. And they just couldn't okay. make a movie that long. Okay. So, see, look, now that's next week. I'm going to be watching so, Rocky 2. With that being said, um, didn't like the story. I thought it was should have got it more into the fight scenes. Yeah. I think they also, like, obviously it's a great movie. I thought, I mean, you're being a it, little harsh. It's but, it's a good movie. Yes. It's a good movie. I well, also it's, think. It's like, it's like Dan said initially. It's like not a boxing movie. It's, it's not. I, that's right. what I think. Yes. I think yes. that they went into it saying it's going to be more of like a story with a little bit of boxing sprinkled in, and then people loved it so much that they completely kind of flipped it to make it like more boxing mm-hmm. and then less of a story. Yes. Which, you know, all well, franchises. I think that's exactly what Ronnie just said. He was like, oh, the beginning was slow, and it was like, it was a slow burn, and then the boxing, and I got excited. Like, that, I think everyone saw that movie in the beginning. We're like, oh man, that fight scene was amazing. I wish there was more boxing in that. And then like, the next films are all. Mo- the training montage was obviously iconic. I love that part. Yeah. Great montage. Really you know, the music. Better. You know, yeah, when he was at the steps and he did the whole thing, yeah, I'm like, oh, now I, I seen posters of this all the time, and you know that makes sense. The ending of the, uh, was that the promoter, um, reading out the judges' cards, um, he was doing that as he was just screaming, Adrian, 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 (laughs) where are you? And she just comes, I love you, Rocky. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the movie just ends. It's over. (laughs) I was just like, that's it. Best picture. And then that one, best picture. That's crazy. Um. I did did not I I wanted more. I guess I guess their their purpose is to make you want more. I guess mm-hmm. for Rocky too. But him reading out the cards and I guess saying that Apollo Creed won and then him screaming Adrian. I felt it was a cl- clunky ending. Um, but all in all, yeah, what would you rate it at, out of ten? Oh boy, uh, rate it out of ten. I'll give it a seven. Seven. Give it a seven. Uh, another thing is I feel like for you guys you're more emotionally invested in the movie because you saw it younger. Right, and it was kind of like when when you first see it, it's like, oh, this is great. They're kids. Yeah, but now I'm yeah. kind of looking at it with a more more of a critique, and may sound may sound harsh, but all in all, it was a it was a really good movie. I liked. I dude, Rock, Rocky Balboa characters. Oh, it was great. Yeah. Yeah. You know, uh, you know, uh, I, I, oh Rocky, how'd you fight? Oh, it was great. You should have seen me. Oh. <laughs> Gail says spot on, Ronnie. Look forward to more boxing film reviews. Yeah, we're doing every one. I mean, yes. Rocky. Uh, it's going to be a long off season. The Yankees are out. Baseball's yeah. about to end. I still, I still think we should watch four together. Well, I if we can it. figure out a way, you're going to come here in December. Um, for we have some big plans, content plans. We got to watch one of them together in the lounge. I'm excited for four because I've heard four is the most fun. I've heard so many things about four, but I'm I'm hooked into the Rocky series, and I, I really want to see Creed as well. Yeah, Creed gets that's gonna yeah Creed. Dude, is you got to run sick. through them all. Yeah, yeah. It, it's it really is like you can't just watch one because they just they're they're also different and they all they all grow. It, you know the 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 timeline, the storyline's linear. It's very linear. Okay. Especially in the f- first few, like I said, like the first one and two is really one movie. 
because it's still Apollo Creed. It's not mm-hmm. they don't bring in. It, it's not like a it's like a new foil. Don't give many spoilers. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know, so it's like you get you get more of a finality to to that because I think that was part of the first one's allure is. And I, I, this, you mentioned the reading the scorecard and Rocky not even caring and looking yeah, for for Adrian. Yeah. I love that because it's just like it doesn't matter if he won or lost. He, he won. just wanted he, to he, to go to this. He won. He he spiritually won. He, yeah. he, he you know he morally won. Whatever. Like, he wasn't supposed to even be there. Right. He was right. never supposed to be there. He definitely wasn't supposed to make it to the the end of the fight. He wasn't supposed to be competitive. And like he just kind of proved like his shitty life to his. Mm-hmm. the love of his life that look mm-hmm. I, I, I do this for real like i'm not that hit me really hard because i think okay. a lot of my family was like why are you fighting like mm. you can go do other million like this isn't gonna like why and i'm like i'm gonna be world champion they're like yeah okay so like i, I that hit so hard for me because it's just like i did it you know like i yeah. I, I, I i i proved everyone wrong i i just i belong to be here um and my my love i'm not wasting your time mm-hmm. like this is for a reason i love right. that yeah so I, that scene i actually really love my final, my you final. Feel shitty now, Ronnie. Uh, I feel so <laughs> shitty. I mean, my opinions. I'm yo-yo bum chuck. Like uh, my opinions mean nothing to. Any, like. That's not true. It's very fascinating. <laughs> That's not true. Very fascinating to hear your thoughts on it. It's like very fascinating. Final, very, final very comment. During the fight, when his eye was closed shut and they cut it open, that was cool. That, cut me, Mick. <laughs> cut me. Yeah. Such bullshit. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure that has never it happened. Gets never crazy. happened. So. During the um, early days of COVID and the quarantine, I went back and I watched every fight from Rocky, every series, and I did st- I did the stats. Yeah, on them. you counted, and I I oh, did it, wow. and I wrote a story, and it like blew up. Like our server couldn't crash because so many people went to the story. Like Max Kellerman wow. uh, talked about it or on the show, or yeah. one, first take, whatever, retweeted it. Uh, awesome. Bill Simmons and all these guys. I'm re- I'm pulling up now. It's on Forbes. Did a story on it uh, in the first Creed. Uh, versus Balboa fighting the original uh, Rocky, a fight Creed narrowly won by decision. Creed landed 25 punches, including an unheard of 84% of his jabs on Balboa in the first round. Yeah. Balboa landed only three punches in the first round, only threw one overall in the first two minutes of the fight. In the final round, Balboa hit Creed with 13 body shots, but somehow Creed survived to win. The stats grew even more ridiculous in the. Oh, we're getting into two. But yeah, I went back and I went and did all the numbers. They get even more and more like it's pretty much shows you the stats show how ridiculous the franchise got. Yeah, because yeah. the numbers started getting like seventy five of seventy six. Like it started <laughs> getting like insane. But that was fun. Exercise. Did you do? Did you do the street fight with Tommy Gunn? No, that's the only because one I didn't do. That fight isn't. They're 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 bare knuckle and they're fighting in the street and they're landing like running <laughs> haymakers. <each> yeah, <laughs> I had a draw line somewhere and I I kept it to only in ring action, but. That just brought back memories of the early day quarantine. Yikes. Yeah, dude. Rocky did not have his hands up. I don't know what it was. He was just kept Ever. just <laughs> taking jabs with his hands down. I don't, whatever. Eighty-four you know. percent of them. Yeah, from Creed. Ronnie, do you remember The Simpsons? I know this is way. Uh, no, yes, yes, I know The Simpsons. So, so there was an episode where Homer became a boxing like prospect, okay. and his his move was he would just take punches until the other guy got tired and fell over. <laughs> That's that's part of what that's like the gift where he falls flat flatness. But I think a lot of fighters use that, like wait wait him out. Yeah, love it. All right, that's the show. Um, Ronnie's Rocky review. Wow, we're gonna have to clip out a bunch of those because that was that was amazing. Next week uh, on Sunday we have or excuse me Monday morning there will be another show. Um, Or my friend here Garguga says Tony Ballou is back in Creed three. Yeah, I saw that Creed three trailer is out. Uh, kind of inspired this segment. Uh, but Monday, we're back with a review episode and some topics. Next week, 
Uh, we preview some of the fights that are upcoming on the schedule. Ronnie will have another uh, Rocky review. Rocky 2. Rocky 2. The squeakle. The squeakle <laughs> is coming your way. Thank you, everyone, for uh, hanging tough through some of the audio issues. We iron them out. We won't have those problems next week. As always, everyone, keep your hands up. Protect yourselves at all times and stay out of those DMs. We out.